for all women. Hey there, you bunch of smashers. This is Sarah Milliken. Welcome to the Standard Issue Gigcast. In this episode, me and Standard Issue editor Mickey Noonan had an incredible time with Alison Moy, Mira Sayal, Zoe Lyons and Joanna Scanlon. We talked about goats, smelling roses, the word no, what a turn one is, and the time Jane Austen spent in 1970s Wolverhampton. This episode was recorded in front of a live audience at Leicester Square Theatre in London. We've got a whole bunch of these booked in with awesome guests including Lisa Tarbuck, Janet Street Porter, Jenny Eclair, Olivia Coleman, Kay Thornton and Holly Walsh. Tickets are available from the Leicester Square Theatre website. We're also recording some around the UK in Leamington, Cheltenham and the Edinburgh Fringe. Check out the standard issue page on my website for info. sarahmillican.co.uk forward slash standard hyphen issue. Some admin, just a quick reminder to please rate, review and subscribe to all of our podcasts on iTunes. And if you're interested in advertising with us, we'd love to hear from you. Email us admin at standardissuemagazine.com. Remember, you can visit our archive of articles at standardissuemagazine.com. Follow us at Standard Issue UK on Twitter or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Everything you hear is just our opinions, so don't get head up, pets. Thanks. Right, admin done. Enjoy the show. This was one of my favourites. Welcome to the Standard Issue Podcast. Oh, thank you very much. How kind you are. I think this might be the best fucking lineup we've ever had. <laughs> Obviously, don't tell those other guys that have been on. That would just be mean. How are you, lot? Are you well? Excellent. Oh, you're wet. Oh, look, because it's raining, not in a. Like, it's early for that kind of chat, isn't it? <laughs> No! <laughs> Somebody say no! No! Bring on the wet! Um, do I need to Is that what you say? <laughs> it is! Bring on the wet! That's, yeah. Works though! Straight to the point. That's my... Just right. writing it She's down. She's making it down. Should we introduce ourselves? Is that a good idea? I think that's a great idea. You, you go first. I, no, I think right. you do start. Hello, I'm Mickey Noonan and I'm the editor of Standard Issue, which is now a podcast. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm. Shall I do me now? Yeah. Hello. Hello, I'm. I'm Alison. Um, I sing and I write and I do sculpture. Uh, I'm Joanna. I'm actress and a writer. Uh, hello, I'm Zoe. I'm a stand-up comedian and an owner of a grumpy dog. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Mira. I'm an actress and writer and owner of a grumpy husband. (laughs) I'm Sarah. I'm a comedian and a writer, and I'm just fucking grumpy. Ticks, Mira. That might be it at this time of Did, year. Yeah. Could be, yeah. You've got to Did go through them with a fine tits. I thought you said check for tits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's happening. <laughs> I, am I supposed to be checking my dog for ticks? You should be checking for ticks. How yeah. do I do that? Well, don't do it the way I did it. Um, <laughs> How did you do it? Well... We thought he had a tick, and we were like, oh, that's got to come off, and we said, we're like, we've got to remove that, and we are like, what do we use? It's like, well, you need that sort of forky thing, don't you? And then um, it wasn't a tick. But you know what? I, there was, was there something... Was there oh! Oh. Oh. What was it? I've lowered the tone. It was a wart. A wart? We did stop ourselves just in time. We'd got everything out, sort of set it up, whole Holby City. <laughs> I was making the... <laughs> 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 no, it's not going to be good. 
And then it went, hang on a second, that's not a dick. And uh, we put him back together again, so it's fine. Did, Did you offer to buy the water? Do you know this? Do you know the old wife's thing? Where you buy the water for somebody, so... Did no. you No, is this just our house? Because <laughs> <laughs> my mum had warts and somebody said, I'll give you 50p for your warts. So she said, OK, and then my mum's warts disappeared and this lady got warts. <laughs> it's a, possible that it was transferred on the coin, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's another one where you rub a bit of uh, half a potato on the wart and then bury the potato in the garden. <laughs> so that, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to what you're saying about ticks, there was something yeah. in the newspaper, wasn't there, this week that said that actually tick spit can uh, uh, cure heart disease or something, Too or protect spit. you protect you from heart disease. Tick spit. Wow. Ticks. Well, yeah, tick saliva. Maybe they don't. How do you get a tick to spit? <laughs> well, I, I suppose it's like tickle it. <laughs> <laughs> I think they just emanate spit. All right. Just feed it to It's a difficult like. thing to collect, though, isn't it? Well, <laughs> no, if it's on you, if it's on you, I'm just saying it's not so, Don't worry about your dog. The dog's going to have a great heart. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> not now that it's got heart. a wart. He does have a, we took him to the vet, and the, the vet said he does have a very strong heart. He's a German vet. He was a very, very strong heart. Uh, but he has put on a little bit of weight. And uh, my wife is Dutch, and she really can't hold back, and she went, You can talk. <laughs> <laughs> People don't like, they really don't like being told their dogs are fat, do they? No. <laughs> they get a right cob on. <laughs> You've got He's a fat big dog. boned. I keep saying that. He's big boned. <laughs> but your dog has the, the best name of all of the dogs. He, yeah, he's Mr. Groucho Barks. Oh. <laughs> that's very good. Very good. <laughs> I just think that's awesome. A boy at school wants a bit of his... Just back to warts. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> he bit off his wart to show me that he loved me. <gasps> yeah. I didn't go out with him. <laughs> I should have done. Honestly, he wasn't with a bunch of flowers. Exactly. Had you not heard of Twixes? Yeah, no. that would have done. Um, but he, it bled quite bad because they're live, aren't they? They, yeah. It's I mean, not... I didn't expect to start this way. But... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's my fault. Well, you're not wet anymore, are you, flower? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we've got a real mixed group up here. You all do all sorts of different things. So, what did you want to be when you were a kid? And I'm going to start with Alison, who's looking at me very intently. I like well, it. Well, that's because I could feel that coming. I'm thinking, what did I want to... I, I think I wanted to be a policeman, woman. Yeah. A policeman? Yeah. yeah, I did. I wanted to do that. But I didn't have five O levels. In those days, you had to have five O levels. I think they've dropped the recommend... <laughs> <laughs> you know, dropped... <laughs> Dropped it a little bit now, but at that time, you had to be able to run fast and have five O-levels, and I <laughs> failed on both counts. <laughs> when you were chasing a criminal, did you have to go, like, B in maths? And now I, just, um, <laughs> I, I just I just nailed it's a fair cop. Well, actually, that was the wrong way round, wasn't it? That's yeah. probably why it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joanna, what about you? Uh, really boringly, I wanted to be an actress, so... That's not boring. Um... Uh, well, it was a bit of a circuitous route getting to be one, so I suppose I had an adventure on the way. But um, and then there was a very, very short time when I wanted to be a spy. <laughs> um, wow! Uh, but and I kind of think that is sort of what I became because I think being a writer is a bit like being a spy, yeah. and that and that's it's, it's it's a problem being a writer and an actor because you don't want to be recognised. You want to be able to just be there, watching other people, spying on them, seeing how they are in order to write, and even to act, but then if they 
notice you as <laughs> a problem. <laughs> but I just loved the idea of espionage and and disguise and everything. You know, I love I love blagging things. I love going to places and pretending to be somebody completely different, getting in when I'm not allowed to, that kind of, you know, those sort of things, which is what I imagined a spy would spend their life doing. <laughs> what, what's been your best blag? What have you blagged into? Oh, just, just uh, parties, you know, things you're not, you know, tickets that, where, wherever it says something, like Ascot, for example, Royal Ascot, um, I got into Royal Ascot without, um, without the right ticket by saying, by saying all the right things about who was on the other side and had my ticket and that kind of stuff. It's very nice there. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe, what about you? I, I think initially I wanted to be the Lone Ranger. Um, I spent a long time watching the Lone Ranger. And I, I grew up in rural Ireland, so I didn't have many friends. I had like my neighbour next door, Robert, so it's just me and Robert. And we, we, yeah, we just pretend to be cowboys and Indians. That's what we did. And I just really wanted to be the, the Lone Ranger. Was pretty cool. Yeah, mm. I quite like the outfit. <laughs> Still wouldn't mind being the Lone Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> and when I was a bit older, my mum sent me for horse riding lessons, and I kept getting told off for riding like that Lone Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was very English, it was English saddles, it was all like that. <laughs> and uh, I'd always lend them the stirrups, <laughs> so they'd look like I was riding a sort of western and saddle, and hold it there, and like, ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretending to chew tobacco. <laughs> I didn't win many rosettes. <laughs> I've got to say, that looks like it would be a style of riding that would chafe. Western riding. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I have actually. I've been riding with. Um, I have. I went riding once with Navajo Indians in America, which was amazing. Wow. And I lied about my ability. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, oh, we took off. And uh, yeah, there was quite a lot of chafing involved. <laughs> quite a lot of inner thigh was removed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But still like to do that for a living. I think. <laughs> Mira? Um, I suppose I think I secretly wanted to be an actress. Um, but, of course, when asked, I would say doctor slash pharmacist slash lawyer. That's what was allowed. Um, so, and also, because I didn't, I didn't see anybody like me out there. I didn't see anybody that looked like me on the telly or in movies, apart from Bollywood movies or in the theatre. So if you don't see anyone like you, you think, well, I'm not meant to be there. There were no role mm. models. So I think it was a secret thing for a long time. And then I just, through you know, various circuitous routes, um, I did English and drama at uni, and I was going to go into doing uh, psychotherapy with children through drama. And I had a place lined up and everything, so my life was really mapped out. And then in my last year of uni, uh, I wrote a one-woman show, which was like my swan song to acting, I thought, very dramatically, <laughs> um, with my friend Jackie Shapiro. And, um, and it was about this Indian girl that's run away from home to become an actress, and I played about you know, 15 different characters in it. And I literally just think, well, I'm going to do it just at the studio at uni. This is my farewell, and then we're going to go and have a sensible life. And... A director from the Royal Court 
I got chosen, first of all, to go to Edinburgh, and then at Edinburgh, a director from the Royal Court saw me in the play and offered me a job with an equity card. Amazing. Two weeks before I was due to go off for the sense of life. What happened to so those kids? <laughs> <laughs> I think... Are they all fucked up now? Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, there's a lot of very well-balanced children that have been saved from a frustrated actress telling them how to do it. Um, so, yeah, it was one of those sliding doors moments. I mean, really, I could have been, you know, in the mock Tudor, semi-detached with a Nissan Sonny and a pharmacist husband. And... <laughs> I ran off and joined the circus. How are you feeling about that? Thinking I think made... I can cope, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Millican. Oh, um, I... Uh, well, I wanted to be... <laughs> I wanted to be a stripper... <laughs> uh, ..or a pisky. Uh, it's not a word story. You haven't missed out on anything. It's because I couldn't say pixie. <laughs> and I thought a stripper was like a nice lady dancer. <laughs> I don't know how I even knew about strippers. What the fuck had my mum and dad been watching on the telly? Um, and my mum and dad sort of moved me away from that. Uh, <laughs> gave me some rabbits to cuddle and then I wanted to be a vet for a while. And I did a work experience in a veterinary hospital where they made me sit in on operations and it turns out I don't have a very strong stomach. <laughs> and then it turns out I was slightly shit at science. <laughs> so I got a job in a shop. Yay. Yay! And I could totally work it till now if all this goes tits up. <laughs> I, don't, I, I hope they haven't advanced any. Oh, no, I, I think, I think, and Pixie's not a thing. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> You're like, she could still. But I think the stripping thing, that's still a possibility. There's niche things, isn't there? There's yeah. special interest, isn't there? <laughs> We're all a stripper to somebody. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> we were chatting backstage and uh, Joanna was saying that she did a, a burlesque course. Did you? <laughs> Is that something that was supposed to stay backstage, Mickey? <laughs> I think so. I'm did not doing you? it now. No. Yeah, go on. <laughs> You need... How was that then? Why did you why did you decide to do it? It was for a play, obviously. obviously. <laughs> oh, research. It was pretend. Yeah. It was all pretend. Um, yeah, it was for a play. It was a workshop for a play, so it never even became a play. Um, and it was in Glasgow. And then I had to do a proper strip, burlesque strip. Um, so I had to go and learn how to do it. It was an extraordinary thing to do. Did you have feathers? No, oh. no. <laughs> I, had to, I remember there were what do they call the Things you put on your nipples? Tits. Tassels. Oh. Bras? Bras? <laughs> Pasties. A bra. There's a, a bra. bra. <laughs> There's a word. Pasties. 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 Is that what they're called? That's really? it. Yeah. I had those and... Uh... Do they adhere like a sat-nav thing? Yeah. <laughs> Lick it first. <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're supposed to be very sort of delicate and small and you're yeah. not supposed to notice them. But, um, yeah, so it, the thing... What she said to me, the teacher, she said, it's all about eye contact. So you just stare at people and they'll stare back at you and, and you dare them, really, not to look down here. And that's the most powerful thing. And it actually did feel... I was saying it felt really strangely powerful. Even, and it doesn't matter kind of what your body is at all. The fact that they've got their clothes on and you haven't 
gives you this a massive advantage in that moment. You'd think it wouldn't. You'd think it'd be the opposite, but it's on stage and you've got lights and you. What if they've got, got music. really good peripheral vision, though? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's and very. They're looking hot. at you, but you know that the edges of their eyes are full of tits. <laughs> Obviously, stare at everybody at the same no, time. No, that's true. <laughs> Wait until your eyes move on to the next person, and then they have a bloody good look. I used to have a lazy eye, so I could do two at a time. <laughs> <laughs> the lazy-eyed burlesque yeah. stripper. That, 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 that is you and you, answer. you and you. I can see you. <laughs> Well, this theatre, I imagine, would accommodate that one day. So perhaps we should... That should be next week. <laughs> OK. <laughs> well, I think we've just booked ourselves into a burlesque show. Well, I actually, I actually did... Need to strip. I did um, a burlesque class as well, um, not for a play, just for shits and giggles, and um, I got my shoes stuck in my skirt and fell over. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am here next week. So, yeah. I did a, a gig once in a, um, a leisure centre because things are going well. And, um, <laughs> and this, the lady came who was booking the gig and she said, um, there's a um, pole dancing class further along. Do you want to come and watch? <laughs> and the boys and the bill, the, the other comics, were like, oh, we'll come. And she went, no, 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 just Sarah. Because uh, she wanted the girls to feel comfortable, obviously. So I was like, I'll go and have a look. And the girls, so there's the pole. And the girls, I mean, it's, it's incredible what they do with their thighs. Um, I can't get mine apart enough just to get a pole in. <laughs> but they were up a height and they were sliding down and that, then I realised why in those places the music is so loud and sort of banging. <laughs> it's because it was silent in this room and all you heard was... <laughs> of thighs sliding down a pole. Like somebody was punching a mouse. <laughs> It's the sexiest noise in the world. Does <laughs> <laughs> it for me? I would like to ask you all, what's the best and worst thing about your work and life? Can I start with you, Mira, please? You can indeed. Um, I think uh, the unpredictability of it is the best and the worst thing, both at the same time. It's great not to be in a routine. It's great to have lots of stimulation from different kinds of work it's horrible when you're not working and it's horrible never being able to plan anything um so how do you so do you mean like for holidays and things like that you just have to go i'm not working this week Let's yeah exactly <laughs> it's always last minute it's always really expensive oh. you know what i mean and then you know you always worry if i go away the phone might ring <laughs> it might be steven spielberg it never is but, you know <laughs> in theory it could be um but generally i think what makes all Every job difficult is just the sort of lack of support for working women. Just that there's no good childcare in this country. It's not government funded. There's no tax breaks on childcare. It's like they don't want women to work. They make it as difficult as possible. And you look at so many other countries where they've just got it sussed. Where, it, you know, by law, if there's a place that has a female workforce, or even just a workforce over a certain number, they have to provide an on-site creche. So I just think... You know, the juggling that we all do shouldn't be this difficult because it makes whatever job you want to do difficult. Mm. Thank you very much. Good night. <laughs> um, really good point. Yeah.
<laughs> Zoe, what's the best and worst thing about your work and life, do you think? Um, best thing, I think I have to second, Mira, I think the, the versatility, the mix, of, the mix of people. I've met some incredible people over the last 15 years, like really, really interesting people. And um, Who's your favourite? Oh, who's oh. up there? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I mean, excluding us, obviously. I, who's my favourite? Do you know what? I just, I have a, this might sound really soppy, but I just have a little soft spot for anybody who's a performer, because I think they're a little bit of a hero to me. Any single one of them, whatever they do, just, I just go, be good on you. Even if they're rubbish, you're like, you go for it. <laughs> you go for it. So I just love that aspect of the job. The, th the, thing, I, the thing I hate is... Um, those very lonely moments that you have sometimes, particularly if you're, say, if you're doing a corporate gig or, um, and you're the only one on the bill and there's, a, you know, 300 people out there waiting for the entertainment and you are the entertainment. And that fe that sometimes that feeling of isolation and real pressure is... Yeah, I've had some moments in green rooms where you're just sort of staring into a mirror like sort of Al Pacino like what the hell are you doing? <laughs> How did you ever think you could entertain the white van society? What? <laughs> I know it's on a Tuesday and it was a reasonable amount of money but what the hell are you going to say to these people? I did it, I did it at the Cambridge Ball one yeah. year and why the fuck I was no. booked for that? <laughs> no, I had I was on stage at 1am oh, yeah. well. and half of them were wearing top hats and not for a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I talked about my divorce and I drove home. <laughs> and you can, see, you, know, you can see people looking at each other going, what's she talking about? <laughs> it's so lonely. That's the loneliest I think a human so can possibly lonely. feel. You feel so exposed. You may as well be up there with nothing on. You're just yeah. like that. I've just got some funny thoughts I had in the car about kittens and obviously <laughs> that. Maybe we need to do what Joanna was doing. Maybe we need to look them in the eye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just one. <laughs> Do you want to know what are the worst and best things? Well, I, I think... I think I find life, real life, life, the thing that we all do, very hard and unpleasant and generally not, not where I want to be. So I think the thing I like the most is that I'm in the world of pretend and the world of make-believe. I think, you know, any time when you're acting or writing, you're inventing and it's... And you make up another universe. I quite, I love the parallel universe, and I don't really like anything, <laughs> any of the transactions that go on in actual material existence. Um, so it's sort of, <laughs> um, it's hard to find the joy in life, but the joy in play and the joy in mucking about and inventing and. Um, and especially when you have others that you love doing it with you and you, you kind of have a pleasure of doing that together, is, that is what I love. And, and without that, I sort of, I just die. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the few years when I wasn't able to do that, when I was a teacher and I had a really proper job and, and then I was also um, worked to the Arts Council with another proper job and I, I just pretended, of course, that I was a teacher and somebody who, who was responsible enough to make decisions about giving money to artists, sculptors indeed. Um, 
Uh, I had to pretend because I, that wasn't me. So as long as I'm pretending, I'm okay. Uh, and the rest of the time, I'm just not really okay. Um, and then the thing I hate, or I find the worst, is, and this is, this is real Moni actor territory, <laughs> is there's, uh, in filmmaking, television and film production, there's a department called ADs, um, <laughs> assistant directors, and um, they watch you like jailers um, <laughs> from the moment that the car draws up with you in a kind of bird in a gilded cage um, and dro drops you out until the moment they see you off in your cage to go back home again. And, they, and the, not only do they watch you, they talk about the fact that they're watching yeah. you all the time to yeah. their people. And, so and they tell the whole set when you've gone for a poo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they do. That is absolutely he's, true. He's, yeah. What's it called? It's called a 10 10 one. One. It's a 10 one. 10 one. Mira's gone 10 one. Why 10 one? Joanna 10 one. <laughs> the whole set knows. Yeah, and then, and it's, you know, change to channel two, and then they'll tell you, they'll, they'll, they'll spread kind of even more intimate details. I mean, if you had to change a tampon or anything like that, that will go out live <laughs> across the whole set. Um, it, it's really, it's, I feel. And it's just something I've got no right to complain about. They're doing a job. Well, what is that job? <laughs> <laughs> How is that benefiting anybody at all? It's supposedly so that these, these precious creatures known as artists who are on that set working for every possible moment that they possibly can so that this, this thing that costs, I don't know, £60,000 a minute um, to set up in the first place to make sure that that is functioning and that you haven't got a flaky actor in the world of make-believe um, who's going to hold that up. That's their job. So well, but more, what, I think what actually happens is that they all try to impress, because it's very hierarchical, you know, mm. so you start with the, the runner and then the third and then the second and then the first and then the director on top who doesn't really give a fuck about any of those things. But, um, but the first is always trying to impress the director. So... It's all about not really doing that job, but being seen to be doing that job, oh. which is why it's all going out live like that, so that everybody knows that I did my job. I did. I did. I, she's not. It's not because of me. I did it. So, anyway, I've got no Sounds right to awful. complain about that. It is a bit. It's a bit like being in The Handmaid's Tale, isn't it? <laughs> Do you th I mean, uh, under it's his just eye. a bit like that, though, isn't it? It's not massively like that. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> right. <laughs> I just wanted to mention The Handmaid's Tale because it's brilliant, yeah. very, isn't very, it? Sorry, yeah. very it's good. just brilliant. Yeah. I've what? not heard a 10-1 in it yet, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I missed that bit. Off red, 10 gone. What's the assistant director term for being forced to have a baby for some posh people? 10-6? That's <laughs> <laughs> the code, yeah. yeah. Code 10-6. Alison, yeah. what do you like about your job and what don't you like about your job? Or your work what, and life in general? Well, y y yeah, do you know, it, w what I don't like about my job is that, is I think this only ever happens with, uh, with pop musicians, if you like, is that you'll you know, work on an album, you put it out there, you work there, and then you go back and you start writing, and then every time you come back, it's a comeback. It's not fucking comeback. I've just been writing an album. I've been making an album. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, my purpose here... <laughs> here is not to sort of just dance in the starlight and think this is what I'm here for you know it's like I'm a musician and I don't get their heads around that but the good thing about it I think is that because you face so much criticism and you you know you are critiqued all the time and of course someone like me you were saying before about uh, uh, um, that you didn't see anybody like you on the television well you know 
snap. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think the good thing about it is because I, I've had uh, so much criticism that I'm actually really inured to it and it doesn't touch the sides, you know. And so it's kind of quite funny when people think they're coming in and, and undercutting you with something really nasty. It's like, mate, work on your comedy. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, seriously, seriously, do you think I've never heard this before? Oh, oh, a lyric pun. Well, you do, you do, because, I, you know, there's sometimes when someone's really arch and they're clever, as much as you go, you fucking fucker, fucker, there's a part of you who starts getting a nice one. <laughs> that was a good one, you know, you, 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 know, yeah. you, you know, they have your respect, but um, what, what and, and this job does suit me as well, because I've got the, the, the old ADHD going on, and, you know, it's like when you started this whole conversation, I had an answer, it was lost by you, I got another one, then it was lost by you, then another one lost by you. And this is like, and when it came to me, it's shit, I can't think of a thing, you know. But it suits me, because there's a lot of this, which I'm really good at doing that, followed by... <laughs> like that, loads and loads of activity, and, and that, that suits me, because I, I, I really am happy to zone out completely. Mickey? <laughs> Um, do we know what the best bit is? Is that the best bit? Well, that is the best yeah. bit, yeah. The, well, the best bit is my job suits me. You know what I mean? My job suits my, my uh, hyper-focusing, followed by moments where I'm just chasing a goat. Can <laughs> 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 put on tea towels, please? That is brilliant. Well, that's right, you know, it's, it's, it's like on Twitter, I'm always pontificating, oh, yeah, I come up with a great 140 characters, something, yeah, really arch and political. Someone says, you should be Prime Minister. It's like, you've no idea. Because it would be that. I'd be going, I'm going to tell you, the NHS, there's a goat! There's a goat! <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that sounds more sensible than anything Theresa May has said. <laughs> Praying for a goat to walk into <laughs> I don't know. I, listen, I had a goat. I, I, I used to live in this really posh road, and, and you go down my street, and it was like manicured garden, manicured garden, manicured garden, overgrown garden with a goat in it. <laughs> manicured garden. That was that was it. That's what I thought. I thought it was really practical to have a goat, and, and I had to get rid of it because there's lots of uh, there's lots of conifers. See what I mean? There's lots of conifers that are poisonous to them. See so if you put them on a chain, and that's pointless. <laughs> So then I had to get a lawnmower. <laughs> Teach the guy how to use the lawnmower. No, I just, I just, I just buy things. I buy them and put them on the side and then don't use it. But I know that I've got it if I ever wanted a short lawn. <laughs> There's a man who lives on my street who's got a pig. Nice. Yeah, in a flat, like, like a little one of those. No, pigs. well I think he's been missold. Oh. <laughs> Does he walk it down the seat? Yeah, he's called I Louis. Yeah, he's yeah. called Louis, and he's quite protective over his pig, because the first time I saw him walking his pig, I went, God, mate, the first time I saw your pig, I thought it was a really ugly Labrador. Because <laughs> I did, I was like, whoa, that's one, that, that, that's a challenged Labrador. <laughs> and he went, no, Louis is a very, very handsome pig. And I was like, of course he is. You didn't, you didn't call him fat, did you? I didn't call him fat. <laughs> And he went, I'm so glad you said that, because I was just about to say we're off home for some bacon sandwiches. And I was like, that would have been very inappropriate. But, yeah, you, quite, I think he meant it to be a little pot belly, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but it's it's micro pigs, but some people just got told piglets. <laughs> they were like, it's tiny. You're like, yeah, that's how they fucking start. <laughs> they all start that size. If you have a pet pig, you have to have um, uh, an ID card for it. 
Yeah. So it can so. get in places. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone's just going to plug in as Joanna. <laughs> so the pig can go to Ascot. Get in Ascot. You have to have a little... Can you imagine just getting in the little photo booth? <laughs> oh, my God, he'd love that! Oh, seriously, you have to have an ID card for a pig. I am only now 73% confident. <laughs> <laughs> Thing is, though, is I come from this... All right, Mickey here with an advert for better health therapy online. You all right? Such a small question and sometimes such a big question too, eh? Now, regular listeners will know I am no stranger to depression and while over time and with the help of some decent counselling and brilliant friends and family, I've established a toolkit to help when the constantly dripping tap of life gets a bit too much. That does not mean I am a stress-free human rainbow skipping through meadows. I mean, who is? We all carry around different stresses, big and small, and sometimes we can deal and sometimes it's much harder to cope. Why, it? Right now, I have a teenage puppy to deal with, and although I love her very, very much, she can be a lot. There, said it. And as quick a fix as it seems to say, I'm fine, I'm fine, and push it all down into the big inside box and put that lid on. For me, that hasn't been a great long-term solution, in that if I don't get it off my chest, it will at some point come bubbling up, and it's never been one to pick its moments in a good way. I find talking means I can avoid it exploding out of me like a messy emotional volcano all over my nana's carpet. Also, during my various times in talk therapy, I discovered that saying something out loud or writing it down can make it seem much more manageable than allowing it to swirl around and grow ever bigger in my head. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I've found knowing how to reach out is sometimes the toughest bit. But BetterHelp is entirely online. Boom. Which means it couldn't be easier. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist, then work your sessions around your schedule. With more than a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Standard issue listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash standard. That's better H-E-L-P dot com slash standard french family a real french peasant family and it's dangerous because they do i mean they have pig pets and they eat them and it really doesn't happen i remember when we were little about four or five my uncle uh, uh, got my sister in and said which of these rabbits do you like what rabbit do you like and she chose a really lovely rabbit and we went off to play and then we came back and its throat was slit hanging from the garage that's me spilling isn't it i just spilt didn't i just did some, just did some spilling god Oh yeah. my god, that makes me so sad. Well, listen, you know, but, but at least it was, you know, the fact that those animals are all, you know, really well looked after. And I think if you're going to eat meat, there's, a, there's an honesty about the fact that if you're going to use every part of it and, you know, rather mm. than just going to a supermarket where you, you buy something, you stick it in the fridge, it goes off and you throw it away. So, yes, it's, it, it attaches, it's, you know, you're attached to the fact that it's a living thing, but that animal lives a, mm. an un, you know, a, a decent life. With a rabbit, life. you could get, like, four uh, lucky feet. rabbits... Lucky things, yeah. <laughs> Use it all. Powder puff for your makeup. There's loads of stuff. <laughs> Mickey, what do you like about your job? Um, well, can I say the worst thing is there aren't any goats. Can you sort that out? <laughs> I get you a goat, love. Thanks, boss. She's great. Um, best thing is probably what Zoe was saying. I've met like amazing people. Some of them famous. Some of them not famous. And just I'm interested in people. That's why I wanted to be a journalist. And so you get to hear a lot of different stories about people's different lives and also stuff that makes us 
all come together and all feel the same. So you never really feel on your own because someone will have been through something similar. I think for me, I, I like the control. <laughs> um, no way. <laughs> but I like that I can think of a funny thought that afternoon and try it on stage that night. Uh, I haven't done that today. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, but I like that. I like that nobody's going to say, uh, oh, don't. Well, may, uh, to be fair, they might actually say, don't do that. But I just <laughs> ignore them. So I like the control. I think I am a massive control freak. And I, I like um, being able to make sure that everything is how I want it. And that's ter it's a terrible personality trait. But at least I admit to it. Um, and that's kind of one of the things I like about my job. And what I don't like is when other people won't let me control things. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking assholes. <laughs> uh, so I don't do those things anymore. <laughs> I only do things I can control as a rule. I just, I like that the thing that I love doing the most is my job. And I don't yeah. know if I ever thought that that would be a thing. Yeah, that's mm. a gift. I think mostly because it was colouring in for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> You can't monetize that very easily. <laughs> but I think that's, you know, when people do that, oh, go, it doesn't really feel like work. It doesn't feel like work. Um, but I, I suppose the bad side of that is that I can be, I am, I think, a workaholic because it doesn't feel like work. So I do it a lot and probably do it too much. Like I explained to my husband, I was talking to my husband the other day, and I said, oh, I still haven't mastered the work balance. And he went, yeah, it's a work life balance. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even put it in the name. like some crazy psychologist, I'm going to take you back to your childhood again. Um, which fictional female character did you first identify with? And I'm going to start with Mira. Oh, gosh, so many. Well, first, mm. you know, probably it was Elizabeth Bennet in Pride and Prejudice. Mm. I mean, I did, I really love the book anyway, but to me, and this has been done on, on, in, in a movie, actually, to me, it felt like I was... I was reading about Wolverhampton where I was growing up. It did feel like this is bright, intelligent woman and she's part of this huge marriage market and she's considered unmarriageable because she's quirky and she says what she thinks mm -hmm. and she's intelligent and she's trapped by her gender. And to me, I, I, I just thought, I can't believe that Jane Austen understands what it is to grow up in 1970s Wolverhampton. <laughs> How does she do that? <laughs> Genius. Um, you know, and all the sisters, the line of sisters, and the first one has to get married first before the others can get married. I mean, you know, it was just such a perfect fit. And it actually made me understand that, well, firstly, that there are certain things about women's lives that don't change. Um, and also how great universal literature is. If it's a really great story, it will speak to you over generations mm -hmm. and resonate with you. And I used to get a lot of comfort from the fact that you know, the, the, the woman that was considered too bright to be married actually got the fella she wanted, and the big house, and the big house, <laughs> um, without compromising anything. And besides that, it's just a brilliantly written book and beautifully constructed. But yeah, that resonated with me. And then I began to see that then books for me just became therapy, entertainment. Escape. Everything, yeah. everything. Because I lived in a little village, so the world was brought to me through through reading. Great answer. Zoe? Well, I'll go a lot more lowbrow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I'm down there too. It would have been any one of the, um, of Charlie's Angels for me. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. 
was desperately sitting here going, think, Siri, think of some literature <laughs> character that you read. I wasn't, a, I wasn't a big reader at all as a kid. I didn't really enjoy... I didn't really like reading. I, did, I hated reading out in class, so I used to avoid books because I'm not brilliant at reading. I've never been brilliant at reading, and I used to panic at reading, so it was more telly for me. Um, and, yes, I, again, growing up in... It was 1970s rural Ireland where there really wasn't an awful lot of glamour <laughs> around, so Charlie's Angels was... Yeah, it was like, there was hair, there was jumpsuits, there was car... There was blue sky. We were like... <laughs> what is this? Why is it not pouring water down on them? She's <laughs> going out for her hair like that without any sort of bonnet on it. It'll get frizzy. Did you have a favourite? The blonde one. And that hasn't changed through life. <laughs> 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 she had amazing hair, didn't she? But there was the rolling over bonnets of cars, not bonnets of... Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it was, it was great. And it was just... It was just... It was so exciting and so glamorous and so not like where I was living in rural Ireland. I had a pet lamb. I had a pet lamb. Oh, yeah. you didn't eat. We, no, as far as I know, we didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we might have done. You didn't go to live on a farm at some point. <laughs> no, we didn't. My uncle had a farm. My uncle had a farm, um, and we had a, we had the property adjacent to his farm. Do you know my number one favourite thing doing as a kid when I was growing up? This, you know, Xboxes and Playstations and stuff and that. It was my dad cut the end off a golf club for me and I would spend hours in my uncle's field just smashing the shit out of cow pats. <laughs> Happy as Larry. Covered in ticks. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. I'm just, just like to bash the shit off this. You are? Just like Charlie's Angels. Just like... <laughs> 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 Joanna? <laughs> um, well, I, th I suppose there's a... Is it, what was the question? Was it female? <laughs> was it, is it yeah, female? female there's a whole phase, isn't there, in, in, when you're reading as a kid, which where everything's a bit gender neutral as animals or, or things are not so... Oh, so oh I'll take an animal, absolutely. <laughs> so I think there's a, uh, a time when I wasn't even aware about female or not female. Mm. Um, but so, I don't know. Pigling Bland and Jemima Puddleduck and, and <laughs> characters like that were around in my consciousness. But I think it really... I then became went through a pony-mad phase, so there was all the Josephine Pullen Thompson books. Now, I can't honestly say that there was... I think I identified with the pony. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> there, was, there was a lot of girls and ponies and stuff like that. But then the first real female character that uh, I properly identified because you know, I, I was grew up in rural North Wales there was uh, not a lot apart from a bookshop um, in the nearby town and the library at school and I read Anna Karenina when I don't know sort of a probably a little bit too young to read Anna Karenina but I totally identified <laughs> with Anna and it was this feeling uh, my teens were filled and it's hard to remember because it was so palpable then, and it's so lost now, but this absolutely massive romantic yearning, this feeling of wanting desperately to love somebody and to have this love returned. And Anna Karenina is... I, I read it as a book about uh, unrequited love, 
um, and that taking you to this tragic, tragic railway station ending. Um, and also being with, with, with people who didn't understand you, like her husband didn't understand her didn't understand her her lover didn't understand her and then there was this other family who all lived in the country and they had ideals and and, and ways they were going to do it differently and it was going to all work with that other version of life um so i mean it's rather pathetic but even now you can feel the passion about this feeling of wanting to be loved and it was almost thick in the air and then I blame, as i grew I blame up jackie magazine yeah. <laughs> that, well, that's the. If I tried, that's. I had been Jackie. Been Jackie for years. When you yeah. sort of, you know, my boyfriend. You know, yeah. he, he, he. I don't know how to kiss. How do I use my tongue? Yeah. What yeah. happens if he wants to put his hand down? Dumb do my zip in my trouser. Whatever. None of that was actually happening. I never. None, none, I never saw a zip or a, you know, <laughs> a, a tongue or anything. <laughs> no, did I? Just Velcro. <laughs> Had it been invented, I'm not sure. And it was, it was that feeling of um, that book got it, got the Jackie thing, but like I expressed it somewhat more recognisably. Or um, so anyway. I, and then for years and years in my life was just that was the experience. I was just feeling unrequited love, and then then it was requited, and then it felt much less interesting. <laughs> doable <laughs> and now you've seen some zips yeah. I thought you'd still only dated Chippendales with the velcro <laughs> Alison do you know I, was, I, I, I didn't have any any female uh, role models when I was young uh, I didn't see myself in anything or project myself on anyone I spent really long time staying with nursery rhymes right up until I was in double digits right until I went to senior school always loved nursery rhymes and kids stories like that and um and possibly the one that I, uh, I, I relate to most was Jack Horner in the corner eating the pie. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was like, I, I kind of got that, but um, no. And I don't think it was until, you know, until punk happened that I could recognise myself in any other women in this country, certainly. You know, I think, again, it was different in France because the women were uh, built to pull carts. You know, I understood that kind of physicality. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and over here, I, you know, I mean, I never had a doll. I never had a dress. I, I didn't understand girl culture at all. You know, I didn't understand what they were doing. It's like... They, they do this with their dolls. What, what are you going to do there? You can put clothes in. You can put clothes. Now put clothes. Now what you can do? You're going to do that a bit more. It's just like I just didn't get it. You know, I just I just didn't get the purpose of it. I I, I related far more to, to boys. I was I was physical. I was strong. And uh, yeah, and it wasn't till punk that suddenly I saw other strong physical women that could be shouty and aggressive that I suddenly went, <laughs> my own music. <laughs> That's great. So who who was your first? Uh, uh, I punk think crush? well 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 uh, uh, my first punk crush. Well, uh, I never, uh, never was a crush, but I mean, I really loved polystyrene. But even polystyrene, to me, was petite and had a little girl voice. So even then, it wasn't quite right. I mean, she sang like a big bastard, and I loved that, you know. <laughs> and I loved the fact that she didn't beautify herself, and I loved the fact that there was something, you know, kind of just odd about her. But like I say, when she spoke, you could hear a little girl in her. So, so it was part brilliant and part wrong, you know. <laughs> Sarah, what about you? You see? Well, sort of, I'm kind of going back to the where Zoe was um, I think because I really loved Wonder Woman and I, I've seen the, the film and I think the film is tremendous but I, I just loved that there was a superhero who wore glasses I just because there was only two girls in my whole year who wore glasses I wore glasses when I was from when I was six and there's only two only me and this other girl and the other girl didn't realize that we could be allies uh, and she used to call me goggles and four eyes <laughs> 
was like, you are supposed to be on my side. Uh, and then I saw this woman who, like, saved the world. Uh, I mean, she had to take her glasses off. Because uh, you don't want to smash them, do you? It's going to take ages to get some more of those off the NHS. And, um... So I think her, but I think also if I, I suppose there's a programme that I watched uh, within the last sort of 10 years that I wish was around when I was a kid. This is really sad, but I really wish Glee had been on when I was a kid. Because Glee was like, are you weird? You belong. Yeah. And I, although I think if my school had had a Glee club, given that I can't sing or dance, <laughs> I might have been putting the chairs out for the Glee club. <laughs> But I think they were so welcoming that they would have allowed that and I could have just watched at the side. Or I could have been one of the ones in the band that just turned up because the band just appeared every now and again. My husband always had a major problem with that. He's like, where did the band come from? There's no band there, now there's a band. I'm like, oh, fucking hell. You watch Game of Thrones, you watch zombie programs and you can't be surprised that sometimes a piano appears. <laughs> Club had been around. <laughs> Mickey? Um, probably a little bit like Alison. I didn't do the girly girl thing and didn't like dolls and was very vocal about it. So possibly George from the famous Five Stories by Ina Blyton. Because uh, <laughs> she was a real tomboy, if, if that's even a, a real phrase, but would get into mischief and just want to be and do what all the, the boys were doing without having to stay with Anne and make sandwiches. And <laughs> <laughs> but the other character that's really stuck in my head, it wasn't even a book I liked, but there was a book called Gymnast Jilly, and there was a description in it where she was described as having cult-like legs, and I've always yearned for cult-like legs. It's ridiculous, because there's fucking four of them. <laughs> and it is absolutely just, just sometimes look in the mirror and go, they're not cult-like. And I've only got two. Oh, <laughs> with Alison, if that's right. What do you think is the best thing about getting older? Well, I've said this uh, a few times. For me, it's been invisibility, you know. It's like, um, you know, in, in, in my day-to-day in my -day life, you know, I might not brush my hair and I won't have makeup on and I will be dressing very down and people don't see me. And for a lot of women, I know that's become an issue. For me, who has always been remarkable, and I don't say that as a compliment, I've used that term before, but, you know, people have always had something to say about me. I've always been visible, you know. I always felt like I was twice the height of everybody and twice the size, or, you know. And being middle-aged, suddenly, uh, you know, I can watch and I can observe. And, and, and like you were saying, you know, there's something really wonderful. As a writer, and, you know, writing has, has come more to the fore for me, in my more recent years, is, is I can write about people and watch and, and just see, and I love that. I love the piece of it. I love the fact that I need far less acceptance from other people. I don't need other people's approval. I trust my own judgment over other people. I don't give a fuck if people don't like me. You know, but I, at the same time, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. You know, it's, 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 it's a conundrum. <laughs> So, yeah, all of that, really. <laughs> Joanna, what do you like about getting older? Well, <clears throat> everything, really. I mean, I really do. I really think it's much, much better. My life and me uh, is just... feels I'm better suited to being older. I think I was... It's like 
old when I was young. I, ne- I was <laughs> a bit, you know, like, you kind of come into your... I never really was somebody who did young very well. Didn't... I uh, uh, just didn't get it. Um, but, right, so I think... I'm nervous of saying the word menopause. <laughs> Say it. Say it. But the best thing for me is um, I feel like my, now my periods have stopped. Sorry, everybody, but I'm going to go there. Um, you got more money for fags. <laughs> Do you know, I've, I'm sorry, I've got her own up. That, was, that wasn't my joke. I heard, it, I heard it at her 50th birthday party, and I thought it was so brilliant, but it just was an opportune moment. Brilliant. Um, it, it, I, I can run. I, I used to run, and then my period started, and then my period stopped, and I started being able to run again. <laughs> it's a very, very strange thing. But it's as if my whole my physicality was hijacked by some enormously demanding beast um, and it's my it's been returned to me in this really strange way and I feel like you know, I don't know if anybody remembers when the um, puberty began but just before puberty everything was dry everywhere was dry and dry <laughs> and, and then puberty started and it was all <laughs> not dry and it's that going back to a bit drier I wouldn't, I wouldn't say completely dry, but a bit drier. And somehow, with having returned to being a bit drier, I can run. So um, I've started running again, and I'm really loving it. And it's a sort of... It's as if that everything's a little bit more, I guess, uh, consistent, perhaps, is the word. And, and it just makes it easier to do bigger physical challenges. So I'm loving my body. In a way, I'm enjoying my body in a way that I wasn't. Uh, I mean, I didn't know it wasn't, but I probably wasn't enjoying it as much whilst it was in, uh, uh, you know, being put to another purpose potentially. So, um, <laughs> well, um, I, I've reached that. I think I've reached a sweet spot in life. Um, I genuinely do. Uh, I'm 45 now, and I've realised I'm I'm old enough now to realise that a lot of the anxieties that I had for the first 30 years of my life, I was fairly anxious-free until I was about 10, and then it sort of really took over. Um, and I was I was quite anxious, quite anxious. Um, and, and now I've reached the point in my life where I realise I've lived long enough with having those anxieties and and being anxious with those things has not helped in any way, shape or form. <laughs> so, about two years ago, and I know this sounds really flippant, I just decided not to give a shit anymore. And I kind of packed them up and went, well, you've done no good while you've been around. And I've, I've just al- allowed myself to be happy. And, and th- I know that sounds really simple, but you've got through, gone through stuff to get to this point. Yeah. But then when you just go, I'm just going to open the windows and let the sun shine in. And I, I, I enjoy what I do for a living very, very much, but it's not my be-all and end-all. I enjoy my family and my life very, very much, but nothing, nothing is my be-all and end-all, if that makes sense. My yeah. happiness is not determined by somebody else. It's, I, I, sim- I, I genuinely couldn't be happier than when I'm sniffing a rose or I go scuba diving and I love just looking in the eyes of a fish just going, you're doing all right, aren't you? Look at you. <laughs> you're not anxious or anything, are you doing okay? And I think 
I think life is, it, it, the happiness is in simplicity, but you have to go through an awful lot of complication to get to that point where you just strip it mm. down to... Cindy, my wife, is always telling me off because I am constantly sniffing roses, and she's <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not like a local mad lady. I'm just like, oh, get the aroma in there. I mean, is there anything better in life? She's like, you are crazy. I'm like, no, sniff it in. She goes, one day you'll get a bumblebee up your nose. Be <laughs> <laughs> a happy bumblebee. So I, I, be genuinely being able to be happy. That's what I'm enjoying about being older. Getting older. Well, <clears throat> as one whose birthday it is today. Yay! Here I am. Um, yeah, everything you said, it is so wonderful to like yourself finally after so many wasted years of thinking you're too fat, you're too ugly, you're not capable, nobody likes me, I need to be popular, I'm not very good at this. My God, we beat each other. Yeah. We beat ourselves up in a terrible way. And I'm sure we all wish we could go back to ourselves at 21 and just go, you need to know this. You are beautiful. You are capable. You are strong. And don't waste all these years with insecurities. And it's a gift you get, sadly, when you're older. But thank God you get it. Yeah. And it is so much about the quality of life rather than you know how much money you're making or what you've got it is about those moments because the other thing is we are getting older and god willing you know we're all living longer but suddenly it's racing i mean if you have children i you know it's just gone blink they're born blink they're sort of leaving home and i think god how many of that how much of that time did i not enjoy yeah did i waste with worrying or thinking i should be somewhere else so i'm grabbing it all I'm, I'm smelling all the roses too, and it's, and we need to remember it because actually it just, it just makes life that much better to let go of all that stuff. I think uh, I think I'm better at saying no than I used to be. Do your no voice. No. <laughs> made that just says no <laughs> but it's in like red with white spots so it looks kind of jaunty and like it might be fun but it just says no <laughs> I, I think I used to say instead of no I'd say oh well I'm sort of I'd rather would it be okay do you mind if I and now I just say oh no <laughs> and it feels it feels like I don't when I get a no from somebody else, I don't need an explanation. They don't need to give me reasons. Um, I just, you just go, oh, okay, and then you move on. So why am I feeling always like I need to explain why it's a no? I've got a rule. It's mostly a work thing. But I've got a thing where, if you know, sometimes something sounds really fun, and then you think, will it be fun when it comes round? Is it fun now because it's six months so what I have, I project and I think, right, okay, when this comes round, will I pat myself on the back or will I kick myself in the front? <laughs> it's such a and fine it, line, isn't it? If it's the latter, just don't put it in. Just don't put it in. Don't do it. And uh, clearly I'm in a very lucky position now, uh, after many years, to be able to turn things down and say yes to things that I want and no to things that I don't. But I just mean in general as well, like even... 
I, I've never liked parties. I'm not great in a crowd. I've never liked social situations like that. And I think I always used to say, well, I'll go for half an hour, I'll go on, and I'll be polite because I don't want to hurt that person's feelings. When that person, if you don't go to their party, unless you are the only person they've invited, <laughs> they don't fucking notice that you're not there. <laughs> so you just sit on your sofa with a big bag of crisps and it's great. Do you know, that, that's well, it's so funny because it's completely opposite for me. I spent all my life saying no and suddenly I'm in a place where I'm saying yes. Really? Yeah, I just I never went anywhere. I didn't take in invites. I didn't I didn't put myself in any kind of situation that I thought would be you know traumatic. Now something's scary. It's like yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna do that. It's scary. Really? Yeah. Like, well, I, I never would have said this. I would never have said yes to this like five years ago. Really? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just like you know, it's like you know, I'll get public transport and I'll come here and I'll come in on my own, you know, and it's, it's just that wouldn't have happened. I lived years shut away, mm -hmm. and so it's, it's you know, I, I think it's going back to that. Just I'm just determined, just to enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's running away, and I want to try all the things that I spent all my life refusing to try. And it's, do you think that's because you've got? <laughs> She's avoided anal sex and just thinking about. <laughs> A, a thought for her. <laughs> <laughs> that's because you've now, because you care less what people think of you. Do you think that's? I, I, I mean, it's, well, it's not. I mean, that's kind of uh, disingenuous for me. So I don't care if people like me. Of course I do. Everybody, everybody does. But the thing is, is I trust more that I'm in a good place. So if people don't like me, I can accept it, as opposed to thinking I am wrong. There must be a failing in me. Yeah. So now it's like, well, I know I'm a decent person. I know I care about people. If I don't come across right, well, there's nothing I can do about that. I can't change it. I'm too set in, in the way that I present myself. My face is, you know, making that face now, and people think it's, I'm being miserable. I can't do anything about that. So I'm just, I'm just sanguine with that now. This was something we were chatting about when we were testing the mics earlier. What is your favourite word? And I'm going to start with Joanna. Oh, no, no, because that wasn't my favourite word. <laughs> <laughs> OK, new question. Why did you lie to me? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it wasn't. I said flummoxed, and then I also said flabbergasted. That's because I was feeling it wasn't really that they were my favourite words. You said um, another word as well. <laughs> and fuck. <laughs> F, F words. Uh, yeah, uh, what is my favourite word? I don't know. I like words that you've messed around with. I like any word that somebody... Well, uh, my husband was talking about the, the, the origin of... Uh, which was on the Glastonbury telly coverage, um, Biffy Clyro, the way they came to their name. Does everyone know how they came to no, their name? No. Oh, it's the most complicated route that I can't exactly remember, but it's something to do with Byros and Cliff Richard. And... Um, <laughs> And so it became Cliffy, Bliff, Biffy, Clyro. I mean, anyway, um, and that's the sort of word I love. Is I love anything where you m mix and match and, and make up words. So that whole sort of, you know, Edward Lear, Jabberwocky, anything, anything where it's, you think you know the word, but you don't quite know it. Um, so let's say my favourite word is Biffy, Clyro. <laughs> <laughs> Two words. <laughs> Zoe? Um, snow my favourite word because I just I love it so much it's such a lovely little neat word isn't it it's a neat little word but also I love the smell of snow which sounds a bit weird but you can actually smell snow I, I'm part wolf um, <laughs> and I love the sound of snow so everything about snow uh, snow is my favourite word <laughs> snow <laughs> 
Um, Alison, I like um, disingenuous, um, duplicitous, and cunt. <laughs> but mostly, I say, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Mira? Um, well, when you asked me before, I said jobby, which I, I'd quite like to change now. <laughs> Although that is a great Scottish ten one. word. Yeah, 10-1. Ten 10-1. One. <laughs> ten one. <laughs> ten one. Indeed, full circle. Um, I think I'd like to nominate uh, a word that my mum used a lot when I was growing up. Well, there's two. One was jungly. Yeah, which means wild, uncivilised girl. Oh, nice. Which I embrace. And the other was pretty moo, which means you have the face like the top of curdled yoghurt. Oh. <laughs> those I love two. those. Mickey? Um, I really like the word moist. Because <laughs> it makes people do that. <laughs> Sarah? No. <laughs> you guys have been so lovely. Uh, thanks ever so much for coming. I think if we can ask everybody if you have anything to plug, uh, we do, if you'd like to plug anything. I'll, I'm, should I start? Go for it. Got shitloads to plug this time. <laughs> Sometimes I just go, consumers, they're nice. Um, <laughs> But this time, uh, my tour goes on sale. My new tour <laughs> makes me feel sick. Uh, oh. uh, I'm excited. It's like sicky excited. Um, it goes on sale uh, on uh, Friday, uh, this Friday. Uh, please come, because it'll be weird if you don't. Uh, <laughs> and also, I wrote a book, and the book comes out on October the 5th and is available should you be a pre-ordery type of person. I'm not. I, I don't pre-order things, because you might be dead, so... Uh, <laughs> so I would say just get it when it comes out, if you fancy reading about that. Me. That. Me? That. Um, <laughs> Mira, do you have anything to plug? Have you got anything upcoming? Uh, 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 I'm about to start filming something quite Ooh. exciting, which is a new BBC drama written by Abby Morgan. Ooh. Who, yeah, about divorce. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yeah, everyone... <laughs> Everyone's got a story. Um, no, they're brilliant scripts, so we start filming in a couple of weeks, and that should be out next spring or even maybe even earlier, January. Do you maybe. know what it's called? It's called The Split. Okay, cool. Look out for that. Zoe? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> very, very blank <coughs> diary. Um, I, <laughs> you have your... You I've just finished my little game, tour. Though, oh, my, I do a monthly show in Brighton called Bent Double, which runs at the fun, first Sunday so of every month. And we've, I've been doing that for about, what, gosh, 11 years or so. Uh, and Sarah came down and did it recently, and it was oh, amazing. So, um, so if you're in the Brighton area on the first Sunday of every month, then do pop in. Uh, I've just finished a little tour, so it'll be a while. Uh, and other than that, just... just Make me a promise and sniff a rose this week. We do check for bumblebees. And they're not, they're not all good, but that's life. Some of them you go... <laughs> but every now and again you get a real corker and it'll really improve your day. <laughs> I haven't really got anything to plug, but I will plug... Um, 
these Brexit shorts that both Mira oh, yeah. and I happen to be in, on the, which are out on the Guardian website currently. And they are commission, specially commissioned by the Guardian mm-hmm. to um, look into all different angles on Brexit. And they commissioned some great writers and um, performers perform those pieces. And I think I, I haven't seen them. I haven't seen my own. I haven't seen anybody's. I but I yet. think they, they cover all the questions of Brexit, which, of course, is defining our times. So um, I would urge maybe to have a look at those. Um, can I ask a question, Joanna? Are we getting any more North Ends? Yes. Yay! Yes. Uh, not probably... It uh, doesn't finish filming till next April, so it's probably going to be September next year, isn't right. it? Something like that. It's worth the wait. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Sorry, some time away. But, yeah. Yeah, we start filming in November. Yeah. Alison? Well, I didn't know we were getting a plug slot, so it sounds like I've been a bit, you know, a bit wily about being here. <laughs> but, uh, yes, I had an album come out last week, which I like to think of as uh, Literate Electronica. <laughs> and uh, it's very good. And uh, <laughs> and then I'm doing a, What's a it world called? What's it called? It's called. Oh yes, thank you. It's, it's, it's called Other. It's called Other. And it's very good. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and I'm going on a world tour um, from September wow. to Christmas time, wow. and we'll be playing, I think, in London in the Palla- Palladium and at the Dome in Brighton. Amazing. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Can I plug us? Can I yeah, plug us? Of course you can. Um, Standard Issue is no longer an online magazine. We are a podcast and we release new podcasts every Wednesday. Every one in four is a gig cast. So this one will be out not tomorrow, but the Wednesday after. But every week we do sort of the magazine for your ears. And it's a mix of amazing women talking about stuff that women are interested in, which is fucking everything. And, you know, we're gobby and funny and smart, and you should absolutely look us up on iTunes and Podomatic and get us really deep into your ears. And please, you've been such an amazing crowd. We always have such a lovely time here. Uh, please join us in thanking our wonderful guests, Alison Moyer, Joanna Scanlon, Zoe Lyons, and Nina Sayer. have been listening to Standard Issue in conversation with Mickey Noonan, Alison Moy, Mira Sayal, Zoe Lyons, Joanna Scanlon and me, Sarah Milliken, recorded live at Leicester Square Theatre in London. The theme music and stings were composed and recorded by Barry Hilton, all rights reserved. Thanks to Maddie Hickish for all tech things, to Jen Offord for organising the event, to all at Leicester Square Theatre in London and to Alison, Mira, Zoe and Joanna. All of our podcasts are available on iTunes and Podomatic. Standard Issue for all women. Can we sing to Mira? Is that really awful? Can we sing Happy Birthday to you? Oh. <laughs> Can we do that? Is that your... Is that... Happy Birthday.